With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's Church of the Corn with Zach Santi, Alex Drake, and Fitz on 1620 The Zone, 1620TheZone.com, and The Zone app. Now here are your hosts, Zach, Alex, and Fitz. Welcome, everybody, to the Church of the Corn here on 1620 The Zone with Zach, Drake, and Fitz. Thank you for starting off your Saturday morning here with us. Uh, let's, let's jump right into it, boys. We got Indiana game today. We're going to break down X-Factor players. Might get into some NFL. Of course, we get to talk recruiting with Brian Munson. And maybe at some point... Do we actually get to talk recruiting? That's a great question. We're scheduled to talk <laughs> recruiting, but there's that seems, no... That seems pointed. I'm just saying, like, you maybe, guys like to talk about your documentaries. Monopolize the conversation what, with good documentaries. What, and what really, documentary really good did you music. talk about last time that I missed? So we did talk about. I'm going to say this before, so we don't take the time away. There, we did talk about the outpost, right? Wasn't that? Yeah, we did and talk I ended about up the watching outpost. that because I figured it'd be. Did a you good watch idea. the documentary or the movie? Though? The movie. Okay, but I'm going to get to the documentary. But I figured that would be a good idea to start a two-hour and nine-minute <laughs> movie at about nine thirty on a Monday. That's the that's the best way to do it all the time. So talk about speak. Remember somebody? I can't remember who it was. Talked about poor time management as an adult. That's yeah. just how I felt. Yeah. yeah. What time did you go to sleep? Uh, like during the movie? <laughs> was it nine forty-five? Nine fifteen? I went and got my. Am blank. I the only one that enjoys falling asleep to the TV? And you call me old? You know that messes with your sleep schedule, right? You know, I. You might not know this. Just I'm. I'm gonna. Let you know, you can set up a timer on your TV to turn off. I'm aware it does it by itself. Yeah, we did that for my grandma. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I like to fall asleep to the TV. There's nothing wrong with it. And then we, we have it set on the VCR to continue to record her, <laughs> her program. You still have a VCR? My grandma does, which is, you're missing the point. I can't believe How your grandma's t- still alive. How many tapes Sorry, of Grandma murder- Fitz. How many tapes of murder she wrote does she have? Boxes. All of them. Boxes. Matlock. What else is on the schedule? Let's do a hard correct here. Let's let's get back on track. Fitz is warming up TV dinners with the with the tray in front of the TV at night. God, this is gonna be chaos today. Yelling, Mom, the meatloaf. Oh, this is amazing. Let's I want talk, it now. Let's talk about the game last night with uh was Gretna and Bellevue West. Oh, I thought you were going to bring up the Washington-UCLA game, but Fitz, you wanted to bring us into this. Let's go. Well, there was a uh, a game for the ages for Class A football in Nebraska last night. Twofold. Is he going to tell us a Knight's Tale next? Yeah, it seems like it. So, first of all, you had first game potentially forever, and I'm going to give a shout-out to Mike Souter for uh, doing some legwork on this, putting a, a good story together, uh, talking about First two time, first time two Power Five Nebraska recruits playing quarterback uh, faced off against each other, and so what you ended up having happen was the second ranked Dragon scored three late touchdowns 
And then you had Cameron Bothwell uh, kicked a 25-yard field goal with eight seconds left for a Gretna rally uh, for a 40-37 victory over Bellevue West. And then just one more connection. You also had Westside, who had been playing some really, really good football, went out to North Platte and ended up losing there. So, um, you know, we talk about Nebraska high school football, and Friday night was a good night for that. Friday night was a great night. But can we talk about the recruiting botch of Nebraska and Zane Flores for a second? That's kind of where I was hoping you were going. So, yeah, let's talk. Let's chit-chat. I mean, how in the hell does he not get an offer at any point from this former staff? I think the key word might be former. That might be the best quarterback to ever come out of this state. Ever. Now, moving forward, it doesn't matter. Past, how do we not offer him? At this point, with with missing on that, and I'm glad Gary Gary uh, Sharp has That's where I've seen stayed it, right? on this throne. That he he has been on this throne, and I I'm hopping on board with you, Gary. You could have fired people for cause for letting that guy get out of the state without an offer. No offer, no nothing. In, insane. And for everybody who is on Even the, if you don't want him, you still got to offer him just to do your due diligence. 100%. And this it's is a non-committable offer. Everybody who's on this, oh, Scott was committed. Where's the proof that he wasn't? How about 16 and 32 and letting the best quarterback in Nebraska high school history get out of the state without an offer? How about losing to Georgia Southern? Losing to Georgia Southern. Losing to, to Troy in year one and saying after the game, oh, we probably could have changed the game plan and won, but our system is what's most important. No, wins are important. Not under that staff, they weren't. <laughs> Obviously. Is there any- why why are Why are we still fighting this fight? Why are people digging their heels in? Show me the proof. The proof is there. Back to your original We're gonna get question. We're going to get a rant today. Is there any chance that whether it's Mickey, whether it's, you know, there's he's a an early signee, right? So he's supposed to get down to, to Stillwater for second semester of this year. Is there any chance, and it would obviously be on the timing, is there any talk going on right now behind the scenes are there conversations if, for example, you know, Mickey has these assurances that we talked about last week mm-hmm. on the show? Do they come to him and say, here's the deal. We want to we wanna talk to you more. We want to potentially offer those. I don't know. Could, could it happen? Because you got a small window of time when the new hire comes in. But I can't imagine that another coach that can get – feedback from Mickey Joseph who really wasn't around to push that recruit you know to push that because if he was here he <laughs> Flores ain't getting out yeah because what did what did Mickey Joseph say on press conference number one or two and I know we're going to keep falling back it was like going down to Louisiana it doesn't matter it, it's not a, and what Albert said it's not winning the press conference anymore but Drake said it last week Joseph has won every he's undefeated right now in press conferences and it's not that he's just saying what we want him to will want him to hear, but he's saying what needs to be said, and he said lock down the borders. It's it's locking down the borders, and that whole 500-mile radius, whatever. You have a Division One Power 5 committed quarterback in western Nebraska, according to Josh, out in Gretna, <laughs> and you, you didn't even offer. 
it, it that is indefensible. It's despicable. And I don't know if you know Zach mentioned earlier that he did a sharp turn to correct where we were driving this yeah. morning at the start, but I don't know if you can. I don't know if you can correct that. Yeah. I don't know. We've got a caller on the line. All right, bring him in, Donnie. How are you? What's going on, Donnie? What you got for um, us, buddy? The the Zane Flores thing, I I I it's it's baffling to me as well. Um, the uh, not offering Cole McIntyre, um, uh, an obvious athlete, uh, enough to stay inside the state. Uh, Caden Becker, uh, you've you've got you've got all of these athletes that that got let go. I can't help but think though, at some point, if you start offering a kid like Zane Flores, who is an amazing talent, I hope he goes off and does amazing things, just not against us. Um, it, what happens to the rest of your quarterback room? Because we've already got a loaded quarterback room. If you just start throwing everything up against the wall and offering every single quarterback, you know, are you, are you going to alienate Harburg? Are you going to alienate some of these guys? And maybe are you not going to get uh, a guy like uh, uh, Thompson to come in or you're not going to get some of these other guys off of the, uh, off of the transfer portal? Hey Donnie, what do you think as as you were kind of going through that it wanted to bring up, you know, when Whipple came in, he was real quick and he went after and he got uh Pop Watson, right? And mm-hmm. he had known him since kind of early 8th grade, ninth grade out in out in the out on the East Coast. Do you think he was so set on that or do you think it was Frost just saying no and any any idea from you why Frost did not want Flores? Any guess? You know, I, I, it, it, it's hard. It's hard for me to even think about what was going through Frost. Now that you hear all the stuff that could have possibly happened down there and all that, and I think maybe we're overthinking it a little bit. I know he liked. Um, he seemed to like Harburg a lot because he reminded him a lot of himself. He was a, a, a thick, strong kid that ran really good. That throws the ball like a baseball. You know, he, 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 he throws the ball really hard. And so maybe, maybe he just didn't maybe, – maybe Flores is more of a pass-first, run-second guy, and, and maybe Scott just couldn't wrap his brain around that. I, I, I don't know. I wish I could – man, I wish I could, I could uh, dissect what was going on in Scott Frost's brain over the last five years, but unfortunately I don't think any of us can. <laughs> hey, Donnie, I, I, I want you to know I hear you with, with the recruiting – pitch that you're making here on on you know kind of losing some of the room but I'm going to push back because at, at least the three of us and I think everybody everybody is talking about it you have to always recruit the best players available right and you know when Scott showed up he said I want five scholarship quarterbacks Ohio State has four to five scholarship quarterbacks who can all play in the Big Ten you know and you're always going to lose guys to attrition you can't mm-hmm. You cannot be worried about losing guys from the room if you have the best quarterback in the state available. You you just can't. And, and it, no, and I I completely understand that. I I one hundred percent understand that. And there's also the there, there's also the the, the the distinct possibility because I'm fifty. I'm an old man. I got a VCR with the murder she wrote tapes. Um, <laughs> thank thank you, Donnie. You're my favorite I, listener right now. <laughs> I I remember the good old days. Zane Flores doesn't. Yeah. Um, a lot of these, a lot of these kids, they don't remember the good old days because they weren't alive back when we were relevant. Unfortunately. One hundred percent. And you still have to offer these kids, even if they don't come. I mean, that that's our whole point. Like, 
you have to throw an offer out to show that you're committed to locking down your in-state border. And if they right. go elsewhere, they go elsewhere. I mean, we've lost tons of talent the last few years, but there's tons of talent that we haven't even offered. Well, and and that, and then maybe that goes back to uh, what uh, what what we don't know goes on down there. Maybe Flores came right out and said, "Don't don't even bother. I'm not. I don't want to. I don't want to come here." And that's that that's that's also it's probably a small option, but there's a chance that he went down and then on game day and maybe something just didn't click with him. And it's not the it's not the the place that he wanted to be in. Maybe he wants to get out of the state. <laughs> no, and kids. that's totally possible. The optics are just so bad. Um, oh, I mean, you know, we've off- how many players did Frost offer in the last recruiting cycle? Three hundred plus. I mean, we right. have tons of non-committable offers, and you could throw that to a guy not interested. Hey, Donnie, thanks for the call. We appreciate you. Time, guys. Keep it, keep it up. Call back anytime. We'll do. But, yeah, I mean, we have uncommittable offers out to people all the time. Ashley Williams was technically one of them. Yeah, they, they didn't think that was going to come to fruition, and it did. And, and uh, there were some coaches on staff that were not happy with how the situation was yeah. handled and for pretty obvious reasons. Yeah, I, it, it's, it's just the strangest thing um, with, with Flores. I, it just seemed like it was – uh, malpractice what was done I'll, I'll just be honest it does seem like it was malpractice there's no way you let that kid go I, I guarantee a kid that's playing in Gretna Nebraska at least wanted an offer from Nebraska that no, I again there's no way I you stand, can tell me he I didn't stand want by you could have fired Scott Frost for cause on that alone there are enough and Donnie hit on it we've hit on it you got you know you're trying to tread lightly because rumors are just that rumors you know we've we've outwardly said if, if now about and I'm down to Fifteen percent. If fifteen percent of what we're hearing is is accurate on on things that were going on behind the scenes, which kudos it, to Severe for you know saying everything yeah. that he did. Yeah, Severe and I mean, and Sty. I mean, you if it's if it's there and you're talking about it, so be it. But if it's rumors, he, don't you think no, Sty is just, forced to issue a public apology for getting caught on a hot mic? Yeah, but my my point though is just the just the snafus and the gaffes in recruiting alone. Like you said, the cause part of it, that is going to – because now you're talking about we've already had issues and conversations with lack of development over the last five years prior to that. How much blame did Frost put on the previous regime and did that in year four yet, yeah. right? And now here we are. So, But none, none of the problems today are, are Scott Frost problems from, from a section of the fan base. I don't understand no, why Mike Riley's problem in. still. Yeah, it's all it's all his problem. It was all his problem from the day he took over the job. I think Urban Meyer said it when he took over at Ohio State. Somebody asked him, "How long is it going to take you to get your players in?" He said, "They're all my players. They decided to stay. They're my players. That's what we need." So I'm, I'm going to say this, and I don't say it lightly. Uh, we all say PJ Fleck is a used car salesman. Well, PJ Fleck won. Scott Frost was a used car salesman as well. He just lost. Yeah, he, he tricked a lot of us into believing the narrative and buying the 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 narrative. And I'll be honest, I was one of them. And because I wanted to see the team succeed at, at any cause, or you know, regardless of who's running the the program, I'm program over coach. Yeah, I think I think all three of us are kind of in this boat too, where we are, you know, over. I I think we're all a little bit more angry because we all stepped out on the ledge to defend him for one more year. We all we all took that leap pretty pretty hard hard last offseason um and just for all this stuff to come out has has really gotten to us a little bit more than maybe some people 
I think it's time for us to pay some bills here. Yeah, we're going to take a quick break here. Uh, When we get back, we are going to talk about the Indiana Hoosiers uh, today. Game down in Lincoln. Now back to Church of the Corn on 1620 The Zone. Welcome back to the Church of the Corn, brought to you by FCC Trucking and Doug Basse State Farm Insurance here on 1620 The Zone. Let's talk about the game today going on down in Lincoln with the Indiana Hoosiers. So I'm going to set a scene for you. They're 3-1 and one Indiana Hoosiers, led by Tom Allen, are heading into Lincoln against the 1-3. and three. Is that the guy from Tool Time? It's, I, yeah, That's no, it's Tim, Tim Allen, I know. Why you got to do that? I, I you like, almost got me there, too. I like, I like to see the see your face when you have to think. Can you continue to set the scene? Because it was uh, nice. It was magical, right? Uh, the one and three Nebraska Cornhuskers, led by interim head coach, head coach Mickey Joseph. Uh, I'm I'm kind of shocked at how where we're at, but uh, yeah, what um, the bye week couldn't have come at a better time. Do you think Nebraska is going to be able to get up for this game today? I th- I think so. I think you have, and it was really interesting, and we'll talk to him uh, later in the show, so check it out around 930 when we meet with, uh, talk with Brian Munson from On3. But he mentioned how, based on the rules, they still only had the, the five, practices. five practices. And so you think about that, which is still good, right? Um, but there's, there's other moments in there, a lot of film, a lot of different things, but actually on-field coaching. Um, I would say that if if the players can't get up for this game, they are that's just something else they're putting on their resume for this coaching staff, the next coaching staff because there there's no way that they're coming somebody's coming in and they're not watching hours and hours of practice, hours and hours of obviously the game film as well to get an idea because we've seen we're going to see turnover potentially, and we talk about that, especially in the, the day and age of this transfer portal, like we've never seen before with this new season because if, you know, you've got a lot of transfers come that have come in anyway, and so they were one and done. You've got a lot of uh, six-year guys, and you've got that COVID year that's going to start to to fall off with, with some of these. It's going to be it's going to be interesting. But getting back to the question, playing at home, playing at night, Trying to show your teammates, your staff, the coaches, the state that you want to play, and you're still here. I, again, I just leave it with why. How can they not be pumped up, ready to go? Tonight's going to be an interesting game. I think uh, you know Indiana likes to play really fast, really fast right now, which is. Totally different from the Tom Allen team that faked a couple of injuries against Luke McCaffrey and Noah Vedrill a few years ago. Um, How else are you going to slow down McCaffrey? Let him throw. I was going to say have him sit the bench. Go to his fourth (laughs) school. Go ahead, Drake. Sorry to interrupt. (laughs) Don't get get me on this Luke McCaffrey rant. I don't need two of those in one day. According to you, we'd get a caller if you did, but go ahead. Um, I think offensively we're going to see less tempo. Than, than we're used to with this staff. 
huge recruiting weekend. You know, I listen. To You're Brian. talking about out in Nebraska, right? Yeah, okay. absolutely. Uh, huge recruiting weekend. I listened to Brian talk yesterday on on Connor's show. There's a lot of wide receivers coming in, uh, which leads me to believe that you know this staff is already prepared for some heavy turnover from that receiver room mainly some of those second and third year guys that came in a couple a few years ago that just haven't seen the field guys and I'm not I'm not saying there's anybody that I think is going to transfer but some of those guys like Victor Jones uh Hardy Latrell Neville those guys that have been there and not not cracked the lineup those guys I think I think we're preparing for a shift of those guys exiting well, like you said. Well, and they have to they have to be given a chance and I think we're going to start to see starting today we're going to see a lot lot different guys. But I want to I want to go back to the receivers, but I want to talk about Indiana's receivers real quick. Zach, you've been really high on the DB room all all season, all preseason. You like that room. You like what Fisher does. You you've talked about it before. Indiana right now is leading Power 5 conferences with 202 pass attempts. Last week alone, he threw over 50 times, right? So we know kind of what we're going to get. Uh, they've quickly, trans just Drake mentioned it, quickly transformed from wanting to slow down, wanting to kind of keep things off schedule a little bit, to now just throw even for even kind of at the sake of the run game a little bit. What's it going to take for the Huskers' defense to stand up to that many throws? What do you want to see out of those? Is out of Bill the, Bush, uh, the X factor, the, the black shirts. Well, they got to get the the Indiana offense behind the the sticks. Um, so you're going to need some splash plays. That doesn't mean you need a 20 yard sack. No, you just got to get them behind where they're comfortable. They don't have a dependable running game that they can go with, so that's why they throw it as much as they do. They don't care. They're like Purdue. They don't really care about the running game. It's just an accessory of the offense. Or very Mike Leach-ish at Mississippi State. Yeah, almost air raid-ish. Um, and and uh, Connor Bazelak, I believe his name is, he's not a terrible quarterback. He's a talented kid with a big arm, but he presses a lot. Um, and, and I think if you start getting it behind the sticks – Nebraska can't get into a shootout. I'm just going to say that. They got the offense, too, but they don't have the defense to do it. The timing of it, when we've talked about maybe putting, pressing up your corners a little bit, trying to get them out of rhythm that way, you know, it's it's almost right now, there's no, there's no reward if you don't take a risk. Let your corners go. Bring your safeties up a little bit. Everything has to get closer to the line of scrimmage. Simplify as much as possible. And you, you know and what? I'm This guy isn't on my X-Factor player today, so I'm going to throw him out. A uh, couple of changes to the depth chart in that DB room, but all over the field too. Omar Brown has moved out of safety to second string at nickel. Uh, that's a little bit surprising to me. We've talked about Phelan Sanford uh, making some plays when he's in there. I think Omar Brown comes up with a couple of big plays today and might steal the starting job at nickel early. He's a really good instinctual player from his time at Northern Iowa or uh, yeah, Northern yep. Iowa. Um, he, he's, he was a really good corner there. I know when he got to Lincoln, he had a, a lot of things that didn't go his way from the beginning, from when he got Changed on campus. positions, a lot of things with uh, other, other stuff as well. Um, he's a very talented kid. I've been waiting to see him get on the field all year. I just because of what I've seen him do, his length. He's a big he's bigger than Gifford, I believe. Yeah, and you know what makes me excited about the shakeup on on the uh depth chart? 
Tommy Hill has all the talent in the world, but he has, Tommy Hill. he has not been performing. And against OU, got yanked because he was getting burnt. It does. It seems I to me that don't think he got yanked. I think he, I think he w- went and took a, a breather. Okay, he either got yanked or he sat himself down. I think he sat himself. Either down. way, either way, we're getting fresh eyes. We're kind of changing the the mindset from the rotation. And if you're not performing on game day, other guys are going to get a chance. Jamari Butler's cracked the two deep finally at at rush end. Um, you know they're talking they're talking about hey. These guys that are doing things the right way in practice, which is all we've heard about why certain guys haven't gotten the opportunity in the past for the last two weeks is, hey, these guys are working hard in practice. They're doing the right thing. They they deserve a shot on the field. And we're going to start to see some of those guys that we've been perplexed as to why we haven't. Well, and it, it brings up, because we know that some calls have been taken out on the defense. Zach said it too, that Bush is going to simplify things. They have to, right? It starts to It starts to make you think that, Things were so complicated, right? They had so many calls. They had so many things. And this goes back to Vadursko with his test. And you do all these things that you, it almost makes you think that the guys that were on the field, first and foremost, there were guys that understood the system. Not the best football player, not the most athletic, not the biggest hitter, not whatever it is, but guys that understood it, say, forsaking play, forsaking wins, potentially stops, whatever it is, tackling at this point in time, because somebody got something. Like, yeah. give me somebody that can go 100 miles an hour and get there versus somebody that processes it, thinks it, and then is, is five seconds too late yeah. and Gabriel's 61 yards in the end zone. And we've, we've talked about this. We, we've, I've said it plenty of times. You guys have never disagreed. I can live with a chunk play or a busted play if we're going hard. If we're sending an all-out blitz and somebody just gets beat on, on whatever, I can live with that if we're aggressive. And I think that's what Bill Bush is going to bring out. And I also think, for the first time, special teams is going to come up with a huge play today. What's your scores for the game? We'll get into that. Now. All right. It was on the rundown. I'm going to side with Zach on this. I'm going to take Nebraska 33, Indiana 25. That's what you got, Bob. Uh, I bub uh i'm gonna go what do you got pop pop better than i was gonna call you so i'm gonna go with um nebraska 48 indiana 27 i'll go nebraska 35 indiana 28 so shoot out so we all have them covering the six point spread Unfortunately, we'll see if that actually happens. I think happens. Vegas is just tugging at our heartstrings here, boys. We're going to take a quick break here. Uh, <laughs> when we return, we're going to break down some X-Factor oh. players for the game today. You're listening to Church of the Corn on 1620 The Zone. Back to the Church of the Corn, brought to you by Rocky Stone and Design, as well as Summit Medical Staffing. Let's get into some X-Factor players today for the Huskers. Um, this could be, you know, anyone on the on the field. Who, who do you guys got? We'll just drop them one by one. Yep. Fitz, you lead us off today. Uh, I'm going to start. I'm going to try to 
go on on the three phases here. So I'm going to start on the offensive side of the ball. I think it's going to be a big game for Marcus Washington. He's made a lot of plays. He he has. Um, he has not scored a touchdown yet. Every every so play I, he's made has been big. He hasn't made a ton of plays. I mean, what's he's he's under 20 catches, but he's he's a guy that I've been high on all season. I love his pick fits. Is he? Oh, so he's not your pick? No, so I can finish. Yeah. Okay. So I think with the Fitz is grumpy today. You with, need a nap already. With the way that the uh, elf. <laughs> the way the uh, the game's going to go, um, we could see like 217 combined plays around today. But I just think it could be some some quick shots. He it could be like a seven or eight catch game for for Washington today for like 50. Um, well, you know, moving the sticks. But I yeah. I just think he's going to be somebody that's going to. You, you go back to you go back to what you know, right? They're simplifying. They're doing all of that. Washington and Thompson have that connection, and you know the best part of that is if he's hitting him four, seven, eight, nine yards, eventually something's going to pop, but it's not going to be for him. Yep, absolutely. Drake, what you got, Bob? Uh, I'm going to start with Nick Henrich. He he's the middle linebacker. He's he's got to get this defense back on track. We've talked a, a ton about how the defense looks like they're still trying to make reads and calls at the line of scrimmage before the play snaps. Nick's got to do a great job of getting guys down and set ready to go with how fast this offense is today. I'll, I'll say this from watching that defense from a pretty close spot from where we sit in the stadium, watching the amount of communication for about 20 straight seconds that it's draining just to watch. And, and, yeah. and now I, now I agree. I get what the offense is doing. They're doing their movement pieces to get you to declare what you're doing. But still, the amount of communication that's happened that was going on, I understand why. Yeah, there was it a just, lot of mystery. well, he's communicating. Like too... Is anyone listening? <laughs> because right now, they're, well, they I may mean, not know how to listen. Well, that's too. The, that's where I think we're gonna if we can see things scaled down, like you here, stay in this gap, get your body and your head on the same side. I will, you know, little things like, and yeah, I know, it's, I know, they're I'm gonna being... have to be much more base today, and even their base has to be simplified from what it's been, which is why I, I think, you know, hopefully we see a lot more man to man on the back end. Yeah, stick base and then add as you go. Uh, Zach, what do you have for your? Uh, who do you have for your number one? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I'll just give you two, and then we can just keep bouncing back and forth. Ooh, uh, like a fantasy football snake draft. That's what we're Ooh. doing here. Uh, I'm gonna go with Boomshini, Brian Boomshini. Uh, the Bam Bam. The the field position battle is. You, you always feel pretty comfortable with him out there. Uh, I love what he's brought to that team and the special teams. Is he okay after the ankle injury? After. That vicious hit he laid out against OU. He punted after that game, though. He was back Yeah, but out. he was limping off the field the whole time. I'm hoping the week off really helped out with that. So. We, we established this a long time ago at the start of the podcast, oh into God. the radio show. Go. Who are the toughest players on the team? The running back, Anthony Grant, is the next one. And he is probably one of the toughest guys on the team. Yeah, he plays all over the place. See what I did? I stole your thunder there. I wasn't going to let you get any punter coverage there. So... Uh, they haven't Anthony had Grant. punter coverage in a long time, Zach. Touche. Uh, Anthony Grant, I think he's going to make some big plays today, and he needs to. He's got to keep him honest. I think he's got to average six-plus yards per attempt, whether that be carry, reception, anything. I think he's got to do something big to keep that offense honest today. That's that's a huge number. But that's, um, in, that's including receptions, too. Yeah. Six yards, I think he's averaging over that now. I'm going to have to go back and look. I, that just seems like a huge number to me. Uh, I I like that one, I, but 
if I if I had to pick a running back today to be kind of our X factor, I think I think Gabe Irvin's going to show out today. That's not one of my picks, but I think Gabe Irvin, uh, he looked really good late against OU. I think he's going to be the guy that has to make plays. Five point seven, rounding so, up to six. So I almost agree. on almost on average, if he could stick with yeah. his season average, five point five to six anywhere in there, I think he's going to be a For huge sure. factor today. Fitz, who's your second? Uh, my second on the defensive side of the ball is O'Shawn Mathis. He has, he's done a lot that we're not necessarily seeing. It hasn't been, hasn't been sacks. It hasn't been, but he is, he's fitting the run game really well. Uh, he's making some, some plays on the edge. I just think right now we have to, they have to let the defense, those defensive linemen just go a little bit. Um, yeah. Let them be a little bit more unhinged let him get after it a little bit more. It's just if I think if you sometimes they're waiting and they're just kind of kind of filling the space, getting those linemen to go a certain way, and it's leaving that running back too many options. It's leaving the quarterback too much time, and now the linebackers are stuck. And now a safety's indecisiveness of do I come up, do I stay? I just think if he can get off a little bit, it's going to definitely help Nelson on the other side. But I, I think we're going to see the O'Shawn Mathis today, especially because Indiana wants to throw 72 times today, which is the that's, yeah. that's the under. Um, <laughs> that I think there's no reason that he doesn't have, you know, just pressure on maybe there's a draw or something like that, catches a screen tackle. So two over two and a half tackles for losses, for loss. And I'm going to go out on this. Three or more sacks today. Okay. I, I want to build off of this. Big yeah, number. I, I want to build off of this. Um, okay, Bob. I think some of this, some of the the shakeup on that D-line room on the depth chart, I think feeds into this a little bit. I think Garrett Nelson is kind of pigeonholed to playing on, you know, the, the right side of that line. I think he's just kind of limited there. And that has forced Oshan to play on the left where he's not quite as strong, but he's he is strong there. I think some of that is going to allow Jamari Butler or some of those other DNs come in on the left side and let O'Shawn Mathis loose on the backside of the quarterback. Now how crazy how crazy is this thought? What if, let's say on a play, just mm-hmm. okay, the Indiana's set up, they're ready to go, they're in their pre snap, doing everything like that. Let's just say and imagine this. Remember how Zach set the scene earlier? Imagine that right before everything gets started, O'Shawn and Nelson switched. Or a, a defensive lineman stunts and moves over, right? Just to maybe create a little bit of confusion. For We haven't seen that in five years. And then yeah, we get I gashed mean, I don't, for 80. With how fast, no, no, but it's with like, how fast Indiana moves, I do not no, want to see you our know, defenses, but, uh, defensive ends running across. There's got to be those moments, right? There's a sub. Yeah. There's something going I do, on. I just, I just think it, O'Shawn's going to get turned loose on the backside of the quarterback. Be, just because I feel like Garrett Nelson... He he's not a pass rush specialist, right? Like, let's just call it what it is. He's a pretty good pass rusher, but he's not a specialist there. And you're gonna let some of those other guys that are better pass rushers, but not as strong in the run game, line up in position form. And it's really why I took Henrich over Garrett Nelson. I think Garrett Nelson's gonna see less snaps today than he's used to, uh, just because of the opponent. And there's nothing wrong with that. This isn't a shot at Garrett Nelson. I just think Jamari Butler and some of those younger guys are gonna come in from the left side. And let O'Shawn Mathis do what he does on the backside, where he he's most talented. Well, and, and O'Shawn, when he was brought in, he's a complete defensive end. Where not only can he rush the passer, yes, he can play the run pretty well as well. 
He yeah. contains. He was brought in as a complete defensive player, not just not just a pass rush specialist, which he does well. Numbers may not specifically show it, but he's able to get disruptive plays in the backfield. Yeah, watching that guy play, he's a very talented player, and you can see his impact when he's on the field. Would you like to see the sack numbers higher? Yes, of course you would. But we could say that about any player out there. Yep. Uh, he's just a complete player that makes plays in every facet of the game, which is great. Um. We're gonna take a, another quick break and here. Then we'll finish um, this up on the way back. Yeah, we that. Yeah, I mean, I figure we're pretty good on it, unless you guys have one more. I mean, I only break. gave one player. Oh, okay. Well, well, you then, no, sure. you didn't. You gave seven players, only one of which was on your list. <laughs> I did not. Receipts. Yeah, you did. What, show me the receipts. Oh God, here we go. Uh, <laughs> I'll, so I'll play we're back gonna, during commercial. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna take a quick break here. When we come back, we are gonna talk about our coaching candidates and maybe some X Factor players or something here on Church of the Corn. <laughs> It's Church of the Corn with Zach, Alex, and Fitz on 1620 The Zone. What do you call that thing where they pick the new pope? Are you talking about a conclave? Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today for this week's edition of Coach's Conclave. Coach's Conclave. Coach's Coaches Coaches Conclave. Conclave. Coaches. Welcome back to the Church of the Corn, brought to you by Rocky Stone Design, FCC Trucking. We got our, what is it, Coach's Conclave. Do we have to explain to you what that is Don't overthink it, just run with it. I was just asking, so I made sure, because you yelled at me once for calling it the wrong thing. Coach's Conclave. Shout out to Conrad again. I, I know we heard it last week, but putting this stuff together. I forgot is, about it, so is, I'm laughing. Thanks, guys. Like I heard Phenomenal. It for the first time. That, is, that is good stuff. Well, which one of you two fabulous fellows wants to lead us off? You're going to start us off today. Oh, I get to lead us off today? Yeah. Okay. Toot, toot. <laughs> Lane Train. Lane Kiffin is my guy. Um, yeah, I was hoping you were going to go into an explanation. I didn't. <laughs> yeah. No, I just wanted to get just make the train noise and then finish with what that. What kind of train was that? Well, it's like yeah, Thomas yeah. the Tank Engine. Th- there you go. That's it. Uh, <laughs> I think I can. I think I can. I think we can steal their coach. Um, yeah, I got Lane Kiffin. I'm really thinking since his Alabama stint, he grew up quite a bit. He's had a lot of high profile jobs in his tenure: USC, the Raiders, Tennessee. Um, Ole Miss now, I wouldn't consider that high profile, but he's he's turned it into a higher profile job. Mm-hmm. He's done the Nick Saban school for coaches who can't coach good, and he's came out the other side, and he's probably going to be looking at a giant contract here in Lincoln, Nebraska. Yeah, I I love this choice. Um, I'm going to go on a little bit. Just imagine the Twitter beef I, between – I don't know. Yeah, I know Lane Kiffin and anybody. I, I'm. This is where I'm going to go on my rant here. There's a lot of people, and Lane Kiffin's not the only coach in this, but there are a lot of people that are very anti-Lane Kiffin, anti-Bill O'Brien, anti-XYZ person because they haven't been anywhere recently for four years, even though Bill O'Brien just spent eight years with the Texans, turned down multiple NFL jobs to stay with Alabama last year, and they just think they're going to cut and run. Who cares? If we come in and win, and we start winning eight-plus games in their first four years, we're going to get another good coach. Who cares if they jump ship after four years? We It can't just be, oh, you know, this person stayed at XYZ school for 10-plus years. That's going to be a great hire. 
I don't care how long they've been somewhere. If they've proven they can win, they can win. Mike Leach is another guy I throw in this list. He's hated here for multiple reasons, but one of them is he hasn't been anywhere very long. I'm pro Mike Leach. I know you are. I mean, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with Leach other than I just don't think he fits well outside of a niche environment where he's – I don't think he fits well in the fishbowl. Mike Leach, I think, is a fabulous coach with what he does. I just think he fits better more at a Washington State and Mississippi State. Kind of the, I won't say oddball, but the universities well, that are off the norm. Doesn't Lane, Lane Kiffin strikes me as 100% cerebral. He knows exactly what he's doing. He gets in his prep, and, and Leach does the same thing. Leach does the same thing, I believe. But back to Lane Kiffin. But Leach wins the he press knows, conference. He knows what he's saying. He knows why he's saying it. Everything and, he does is for a reason. Well, th- there really is, and he understands. He understands. I think time and place better now than he would have. You ask me seven, eight years ago when Riley came in, Lane Kiffin wasn't on my list. He had there was too many issues. He'd been he'd bounced around. You know, I just think he his experience, and it's not just being a coach. He has so many levels of experience. He knows where these kids are trying to get to. He knows kind of what works. I think he. He's gone from various programs. Yes, we established that. But when he's at the current program, wherever wherever that might be, he recruits toward that conference. He recruits to the style of play. And I just think he would I, – I, I personally believe that he would – you know, we've, we've gone round and round and round before about some people are, oh, we've got to have somebody that understands the Husker way. We've got to have somebody that understands – Right, right now the Husker way is losing. He is we from don't need Lincoln, to, so we have that. My He's point adaptable. Is, though, my point. That's that's it. He's adaptable. He understands what it's going to take in the Big Ten. Now, I'm you not. Know what I love I'm not Lane. sold. I'm not sold on it, but I'm not. I'm not going to push it aside because there's a reason to at least consider him. You you know what I love about Lane, and I love this about Bill O'Brien too. They're not going to bring an entire staff with them, like the last guy that we just had to fire. They both have. A giant Rolodex of coaches who work. You know who will, Lane will bring? Papa Papa Bear Monty Kiffin. Who also had some previous experience down at Lake. For those of you who want a Nebraska guy or ties to the program, whoa, 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 whoa. here it is. Whoa. And honestly, I, I'm just bringing that up tongue-in-cheek because I don't care if he's got ties to Lincoln or not. I know. But... I think with his, like I said, his growing up experience with with, um, Nick Saban and seeing a giant program ran like a business, which Trev is looking for right now. The University of Nebraska needs to be ran like a business. I think after working with a guy like Saban for as many years as as Kiffin did, learning how to do that, seeing how to run that the the correct way. NFL feeder program. As a CEO, not a, okay, well, I'm I'm this. I'm just a low-level employee. No, you watched it as a CEO, and I think that's how he's ran everything with Ole Miss. Um, He's going to parlay that into a big job. I don't care that he just got re-signed last year. That's cute. That's fine. The money will be there. Yeah. Uh, To buy that out, that's... Like every time a coach re-signs a deal, that means they're stuck there till the end of that deal. Yeah, I'm sorry. There's no way that that's going to hold up. So we are going to take a quick break here. Uh, When we return, we are going to get to the other guys' uh, coaching picks. Shop Woodhouse Place Hyundai and Nissan, 144th and Giles. KOZN Bellevue Omaha Council Bluffs.
Welcome back to the Church of the Corn, brought to you by Doug Basse State Farm Insurance and FCC Trucking. We have got our coach's conclave. I got mine out with Lane Kiffin, so let's move on to... Drake, you want to go next? Yeah, I'll go. On um, your rant, bud. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about this one. I know you are. It's going to make somebody angry, and that's just the mood I'm in today. Because it's dumb, or because yes. it's you, because it's the name of the coach? Which one? All, all of the above. Okay. I, I, I've... The last couple of weeks, I've just been touching some sore nerves, apparently, with people I've talked about for coaching, uh, potentially coming to Nebraska. Uh, 247 released an article on this this week. Uh, I dove into it, and I actually kind of like this fit. Bronco Mendenhall, most recently the head coach at Virginia, doesn't have an overwhelming amount of head coaching history um, as far as both Power 5, but it's been very good. He's 135 and 81 overall as a head coach. Basically built BYU into what it is today. I say I think that's a really underrated pick, by the way. Yeah, and then I mean, he's just solid, right? He, and then five years at Virginia, uh, and if you know anything about what Virginia football has been for the last 50 years, I don't know. Not great. Um, he he won one ACC Coastal title at at Virginia. He's seven and seven in bowl games, which means out of his you know, 15 years as a head coach, he made a bowl game in 14 of them. Sign me up. I, I'd like that right now. That'd be neat. Yeah. Uh, other things I, I really like about him that I think we need to kind of focus on is he's definitely defensive oriented. Most of his time has been on the defensive side of the ball, specifically in the DB room. A uh, little bit of time at Oregon State as a D-line coach. Twice. Uh, he's been... And associate head coach, defensive coordinator, and defensive back. Well, and and also his offense coordinator last year in Nebraska fans wanted to steal him with uh, Robert Anai, I believe his name is, so another branch of the coaching yeah, tree. Exactly. So, no, I think Mendenhall's a really good pick. He's an underrated one that I think is, is off the radar because of his experience at BYU and what he's done at Virginia with I mean, much... I hate his name because I, I hate the Broncos, but we can look past that. I mean, oh. if he's winning you eight to ten games a year, I think you'll be okay with it. <laughs> Yeah. And he was he was somebody that I would go back to um, after Polini. He was a name that um, – Him and Kyle Whittingham were the ones that were yeah. floated out there. And and then Eichhorst pulled Some, out. You know what? I've a got a guy back. for yeah. Nebraska. Let's go with Mike Riley. It's just like you – I don't even know how much – God, he's such a nice guy, though. Well, that was the – talk about overcorrective steering. Let's do the complete opposite of where, where Polini was, and then we bring in that. So, But I just – He's been a guy that's been on radar, right? He's he's a winner. He's got he's got an edge to him. Uh, he he kind of preaches, almost shows that that toughness that would probably come out of his. his he's teams. built a program from what BYU was to to essentially what they are. Um, we need a program builder. We well, need a teacher. And and if if he can, there's got to be something with being able to develop the players that you have because at BYU you are limited. Right in in the players that are going to come there now. There's there's always there's you've always got your Mormon trips exactly. And different things like so, that. so you've got you a go through all that. But just look at and this whole Mormon this is going to come up retreats retreats. That's what they're called. Sorry, I, I, this is I, going. It's a it's it's a missionary trip. It's not a retreat. I thought it was a retreat. I guess no, well, it's for two years. What's that? What's the difference? A retreat is like a weekend. Oh, well, I guess I learned something today on the radio. So just the idea that, you know, developing and taking what you have, right? 
but now, and this this is going to come up with a lot of the coaches that we talk about in our conclave over the next five, six, seven weeks, is the resources that every coach, any coach that comes to Nebraska, is going to have at their disposal is far better than a lot of universities. I know every place is now catching up. We've got all these. But I just think you give you give the resources to the right person that hasn't had those before but has shown leadership, shown development, and a winning culture at somewhere a BYU, right? Even Virginia, to that point, why couldn't they? That, that's the question I'm going to come back to is why couldn't someone succeed here? So not that this matters at all, and, and Connor Happer's done a great job with this during the week well, and they're, when they're doing their coaches searching different things like that. Do you think that would win the press conference for Nebraska fans if they said Bronco Mendenhall is the next head coach? Not that that matters at all, but. No, because I've talked to so many people in passing that, you know, I'll only accept two names, Matt Rule and Urban Meyer. Like, I'm sorry, Urban's not coming, and Matt Rule is nowhere near the top of my list. Matt Rule would be a uh, Mike Riley hire for me at this point. Yeah, I mean, he had a short-lived tenure. I mean, he, he did great things at Temple. Let's not downgrade that. But he had a short tenure at, at Baylor and has just – And I, If I'm we're going to go off what he's done recently, like I'm always told we should do. Yeah, and I, you know, I, always, I always say, you know, especially for a guy like Bill O'Brien, who has been far more successful in the NFL, um, NFL experience doesn't matter a ton because look at Nick Saban. But I'm I'm just Matt Rule is not even in my top ten. No, those are two two completely different worlds. So uh, Fitz, you brought this up earlier with with Mendenhall and being a developer. I think that feeds in really well to your coach. Who do you got? Uh, this is uh, North Carolina State current coach Dave Doran. the The fun part about this is you know we know a lot of names. It's really easy to pick the guy, right, the the shiny toy and, and run with it happens to be right now your Urban Meyer. Um, I, th- I think there's a Dave Aranda's up there, but that's that has substance behind it, right? But you, you dig in and you start looking at not just where they're at now, but you start digging back a little bit. And I did not realize Doran's coaching pedigree, his his stops, where he's gotten so he is he is put into it right there's um you know story that he once he decided early early after college that he wanted to get into coaching like took out a loan so that he could kind of do some things and had the money and the time to to do that it's just there's there's a there's a passion there but he's been coaching college at some level since 1995 so he has he's gone from drake to usc to montana had uh, four years as Kansas on the staff at Kansas when they were winning. They go to the Orange Bowl in 2003. I believe that was with Mike Man with Mangino, right? Mark Mangino. Mark yep. Mangino. Yep. Sorry. Um, so he's been around programs that have been consistently good, and one of which, before getting his first head coaching job, he was at Wisconsin. So we understand the culture there. We understand that there's one way to play. And he was on the defensive side of the ball, but that was very consistent as well. Uh, Linebackers coach. Um, Then he goes to Northern Illinois. They have two of their best seasons ever, 11-3, Go to the Orange Bowl there. And now he's been at NC State since 2013 where they've been good. They haven't been world beaters, but they've been good. I just think you look at some of his intangibles. He builds culture. 
guys play for him, right? You got Bradley Chubb. You've got guys that are getting drafted, so they're developing. You know, they're, because this is go back before all this. This is a lot of these guys that we're going to be looking at and talking about. We're doing their coaching before the transfer portal is what we know today, the last couple of years. So you know these guys were on campus for three or four years, and they were developing them. They were getting better. And, and I know, Zach, you're going to jump in here. He's been a recruiting coordinator at a lot of his stops. He understands the value of that. So there's got to be, uh, there's got to be uh, some, some magic to I can see it, I can get them, and then we can develop them. And yeah. I think I just talked myself into he's in my top five right now. Yeah, I'm not. Yes, he is, Zach. Top D- five. Dern doesn't do much for me. In all I'd rather honesty. hire Jerry Kill. Uh, yeah, I'm just, I, I get his record. It's 91 and 53, and, and that's a phenomenal record. So I don't want to take anything away from him and say he's a bad coach. He's a, he's a good coach. It's just, he doesn't really do much for me from his, his time at um, at North was it North NC State? Excuse me, but he has only had two years below 500. So I'm going to give him a lot of credit for that. That's phenomenal. He has gone to so he's been there since 2013. Yep, his nine years, right? Yep, his first only year one year he has not gone to a bowl game. Would we take a bowl game right now? Two years, sorry, two years, two years. Thank you. 13 and 19. Would we take? Would we take? So his first year, and then two years ago, would we take a bowl game right now? For Nebraska, oh, of course, but I just I don't know, think it's linear. I know, but I'm oh, just here. Here's my I'm building question, my case. Yeah, uh, I, oh, I get here, it. It's here's just... my pushback on on that. Yes, we would take a bowl game, but at the same time, that's really all he's achieved is is bowl games, and we're still looking to get past that. I think this would be his best chance this year to get to the ACC title. Yeah, because his quarterback's going to be a first round quarterback. He's got a loaded team, so. I think this would be the year for him to make the move. I'll be interested to see how, where he fits on the it's, spectrum. It's been a long time since we, you know, we've competed for not only championships but conference championships. But that's still the bar here at Nebraska. And anybody who says differently is is lying to themselves and lying to the rest of us. Okay, let's our let's... Our, our standard is at least competing for the Big Ten West. I don't know that Dorian gets us there. Okay, but let me let me push back again. PJ Fleck, right? As an example, came from the same conference, Northern Illinois, and has now put with put Minnesota in a place to be successful. Pretty successful year in and year out, competing. Potentially now they could be the top of the Big Ten West mm-hmm. as we as we go. I don't know. I just I I, I think I'm right now. I am more convinced that it has to be a full. Give me the entire scope of this person's career, everything that they've done. Because you look at what they've done as a player, we've seen what how that gets us right. We brought somebody in, and I say we, but a, our a former AD brought somebody in whose record. We want was, that guy. Look how good he looks record, in that baby blue suit. Lane Kiffin is walking. Look and at that. Now, if Bala Bala, if Jim Carrey showed up in an orange p- suit right next to him, it would be reenacting the Dumb and Dumber scene. Which you watch your mouth amazing. when you're talking about I mean, the lane train like that. Anyway, I just think you somebody you have to you have to look at the whole picture. You also have to then look at where they currently are and what they're doing compared to 
everything else. That's where I, I agree. Keep coming, you can't that's just go off recency though, bias. That I agree. You get, you get, you give someone like him who has shown developmental capabilities, recruiting capabilities. I bet he could put a really good staff together because people want to coach for him and coach with him, and give him the resources here. You know, I, I heard don't that think before. he fails. I don't think he fails. Where did you hear that before? Mike Riley. But no, that was where I was going with that. But you brought in a coach. That's not that's was, not a good basis for the argument. No, it's not. That's my point. You you interrupted with the suit on because TV. Because it was a sweet suit. You your shiny squirrel that you saw and your focus went away. The fact that when they brought Riley in, he was a 500 coach at the time, and he left Nebraska as 500 coach. Doran is not a 500 coach. Doran has produced. Doran has gotten guys to the league. Doran has recruited. Doran rules. Been, you guys are missing. You guys. Are, no, I understand what you're saying, and I, he's I've, way better. I've said he's way better than Bronco Mendenhall. Okay, let's not let's let's not build our own pick on a pedestal here. Um, I'm just I I have said this numerous times, put, and I'm gonna tw- back up. Put a poll out on Twitter, and hold I on, guarantee. Hold on. I guarantee Doran shuts better mouth. than Bronco. <laughs> pop pop. It's time for you to go have your TV dinner. Um. I, I've said as Remember a fan base. Remember when he said he wasn't going to be here? Oh, those I had a days. fan. I, I have said as a fan base, we can't just throw people out. And, and so I accept this pick from you, even though it's the worst one we've done in the conclave. Um, I don't think we can just throw people out based off of record and history. So I, I will allow that submission in, but we're going to put it in the complaints department, also known as the trash can. And we're just going to move on. We are. We're going to take a quick break here. When we return, we are going to break down the biggest games on the dock for the day. I think this is going to be an upset, and I don't know why I think this. Because you love Lane Kiffin. Let's. Oh, no, that's not. not well, I already think they're going to win anyway. That's the next game. The first one is number four, Michigan at Iowa. So I think they're going to upset Michigan today. Ooh. I don't know why I think this. No, I, I absolutely have, I, not. I have, Just stop. Stop. No, no upset. No, no, you're not going to do this to me. Spencer Petras is the worst quarterback, not only in Power 5, but oh, all of Division 1. Oh, he's about to beat the one. number four team in the country. No, no, how, about, how about when Padilla just takes him on the win? It's it's not a night game at, at Kinnick. The kids at the hospital don't even like waving back anymore after watching that Brian Ferentz offense. Oh, at what God, point is Kirk fired it. for cause with this nepotism? Of this guy running the offense. I don't care what Fran McCaffrey said. That cameo that Fran McCaffrey did where he's talking bad about Brian and Kirk. That was, he knew what he was doing. He was not tricked into it. We have have to limit the amount of C4 that Drake can drink during a two-hour radio show. Perfect. So I'll move us on to the next 11 a.m. game. For the Nebraska Next Head Coach Bowl with number seven Kentucky led by Mark Stoops. Against number 14, Ole Miss, led by the Lane train himself, Lane Kiffin. Lane train and juice are running away. Yeah, the juice. I always, that's my favorite follow on Twitter, too. I, I, like how, I like how in your follow Friday you picked a dog account. Yeah, it's juice. Fitz, what do you think of that game? Uh, I think it'll be good football. It's going to be interesting to watch the, the styles a little bit. They both coach. They both manage their, their teams and their coaches during the games, and I think that's something that we just – haven't haven't seen they're you know professional about it so you know it's what about the contrast and styles between the offenses too because you've got that Kentucky offense that can be explosive but they do like to they 
heavily run the ball. Ole Miss, which is a m- little bit more of a They lull you to sleep and then take their shot, and yep. Ole Miss is attack 100%. It's going to be interesting to see the, how those defenses I deal just, today. I think it's interesting to see how hard these guys coach against each other, like last week with Aranda and Campbell. Everybody wants this Nebraska job, and you will see it today in this game. It's a battle royale. Diamond in the rough. I got one more 11 a.m. game, which I think is a sneaky good one. Uh, I got Purdue at number 21, Minnesota. I said in the preseason that Minnesota was either going to win the division or bottom out completely, and it all based on injuries, and they are damn good. They're going to roll Purdue, plain and simple. It's not going to be good. Yeah, I, I, you know, when we did the preview of Minnesota, I said this offense was going to take leaps. They were going to jump leaps and bounds. Partly just because they brought back their old offensive coordinator from when their offense was really humming a few years ago. Tanner Morgan, fifth-year quarterback. I, I think Minnesota rolls. Uh, I'm not looking forward to the Nebraska-Minnesota game at all. I think Minnesota is is going to give a lot of people problems the rest of the year. Yeah, that offensive line, like normal, is is, is good. And their, their defense is improving. Consistently, yeah. it, year after year, it reminds me of that nineteen team again. Maybe not as many star players, but yeah. that, I mean, in the backfield they've got Mo back and Mo is yeah. They don't have they don't have stud. the wide receiver NFL talent that they've had. Um, they they have a couple of pretty good receivers, but you know you don't have Rashad Bateman and guys like that. So, I I think Minnesota rolls. I what's the spread on that one, Zach? Do you know? I, I'd have to check. I don't have that in front of me. Forty-seven and a half. That's over under. That's not the no. Spread. It's the spread for Minnesota. Purdue is bad. No, I think the spread was like ten and a half yesterday when I had my casino lunch. Your casino lunch every Friday, baby. Let's go our next time slot. I got two thirty. Uh, I got number two Alabama at number twenty Arkansas. You're just putting games that are on TV at this point. Alabama is there's no contest there. Ar- Arkansas doesn't even belong on the on the same. Alabama field. has some stuff to prove, right? They've got to kind of it's they've got to get. Back Bill O'Brien's got to get that to offense be. humming if he wants this Nebraska job. I mean, <laughs> everything comes back to who's going to be the next coach at, at Nebraska. It is it. a top 20 matchup. I mean, I'm going to watch it because I'm a degenerate, but no big deal. How much uh, money did you bet on that game? I bet no money on that game. Uh, I'm gonna Spread be, is nine and a half on Minnesota-Purdue fits. Woof. I'm taking Minnesota. Yeah, that's I got them the, covering. Woof, man, that's that's a big line. But uh, the next, next oh. uh, Nebraska what? You left a very big, important Big 12 game out of that 11 o'clock slot. We have more time to talk about games later on. What I leave out at 11? Texas Tech, K-State. Oh, the Chris, Chris Kleiman Bowl? Yeah, Texas Tech. You know, they just had a huge upset at Texas. Is that Matt Wells? I can't remember if that's I Matt don't know. He's, he's, not on the, he's not on our list. Uh, but I think something I'm, I'm interested in. I don't know if you guys are. I'm interested to see if Adrian Martinez can play play up to the level he did last week at Oklahoma. I just can't wait to see Captain Clutch Spencer Petrus beat the number four Michigan Wolverines today. Oh, jeez. And rub your stupid face in it. That's not going to happen. Uh, just had, two- a, just had a, uh, a buddy of mine, uh, one of the uh, one of our reporters for Church of the Corn. I didn't text just you. Just texted in um, and said that on game day, there's a bunch of signs for Tory Taylor for Heisman, which is the Iowa punter, which is he is <laughs> phenomenal. So yes. understandable. So you gotta you gotta love it. All right, on to the next game for Nebraska next head coach bowl part seven. Back, I think it's one of it? the biggest games of the day. Number nine Okie State versus uh, number sixteen Baylor. Ooh. Uh, I, I think I seen this stat, and it was Matt or uh, Aranda. Dave Aranda is the only 
Power Five head coach this year to beat three top twenty-five teams, I believe it was, or something like that. We'd take it, absolutely. And it's just a testament to his to what he's done down there at Baylor. Baylor or uh, Dave Rand is my favorite for the for the head coach job. Anyway, but I I just want to see today how he matches wits against Mike Gundy. Gundy, I'm a man. He's forty. He's yeah. fifty-five. Uh, you know, I'm a I'm a huge Gundy guy in general. But you love me some Gundy. Yeah, who that doesn't? Beautiful the mullet. mullet. Yeah. God, it's huge beautiful. Mike Gundy fan. I I think Baylor walks out of here with a win. I th- I think it's actually a two score win too. I don't. I think they they beat the spread of two and a half, uh, pretty well. I just like what I like what Aranda's got going on down there with just how he runs his team and and that's a smash mouth defense and. I hope we I hope we hire Aranda just so I can go back to those guys on the Locked On Baylor podcast and just first off you have poor man's Drake stealing my name and it's got to be really poor. Uh, what's the what's the next game? And it's I, I find it very interesting. What is that game? Uh, are we talking in the six thirty time slot? Yeah, number ten NC State versus number five Clemson. So you just said NC State is ten. Who's their coach? I don't know. Is it Dave? Some bum. Dave Doran. Is it is it Mac Brown? No, Dave. Dave hey, Doran. I, I think there's some potential. I think we we need to put as another Nebraska next head coach game right there, right there. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I, I, I think Clemson. I think Clemson runs away in this one. Words. Too. Really? I do. I think it's going to be a really close game. Honestly, I'm just not. I'm not sold on anything that. Clemson is has done. You look like what you, you got, Conrad. What you got? We just had a caller call in to remind you guys that Baylor lost to BYU. Oh, in case you didn't remember, that's fine. Uh, Adrian Martinez also lost to Tulane too. So yeah, and then he beat Oklahoma. It's fine. I'm a recency guy, so no big deal. I, I use whatever I have to to fit my narrative. Yeah, <laughs> Baylor got Iowa State last week. How, how <laughs> very how Stephen A. Smith yeah. of you. That's Thank how you, this caller. Works. Appreciate that. Uh, and then the last game I've got on the docket here for the evening, I'll be at it. Number six, or there's not a number in this one. <laughs> at six thirty p.m., Indiana at Nebraska. I'm I'm gonna be interested to see what the, what they did during the bye week. And I don't think there's a better way to put it. It's, yeah, I want to see what they did during the bye week. How they Bill come Bush out and how was they one play. of my X factors today. We didn't get to it. Um, how they changed things up. Everything's your X factor. <laughs> Yeah, I know. We're about to go to break fits. <laughs> uh, anything else, guys? Cool. Right. <laughs> I, I'm going to do this really professionally now. We're going to take another quick break here. When we return, we are going to be joined by on three's very own Brian Munson to talk recruiting here on Church of the Corn here on 1620 The Zone. You're listening to Church of the Corn on 1620 The Zone. Brought to you by Summit Medical Staffing and Doug Bosse State Farm Insurance. We are joined by Husker Online and On3 very own 
Brian Munson. Brian, how are you doing today, my friend? Boys, what's going on? We are just sitting here in church, preaching the gospel and doing what we can to do what we can to get this morning moving. We've taken this, uh, <laughs> we've taken it off the rails a few times. Hopefully, Brian can get us back on track. Well, pass the offering plate. Let's get this thing going. <laughs> <laughs> we can do just that. So this week with Indiana uh, coming to town, it's a huge recruiting weekend for the Huskers. Some committed, some not committed, and then some just offered. Um, Arnold Barnes the third, I believe, is going a running back from Louisiana. Brian Applewhite's the uh, preliminary or the primary app, uh, recruiter for him. He's got something mm-hmm. to ruin with those guys down there, doesn't he? I think he and Nicky do. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's it's quite the tandem. Uh, if you if you really kind of look at the state, and probably not a lot of people from Nebraska have driven through the state of Louisiana. I didn't have a chance to drive through the state of Louisiana much until I got to Texas. But if you if you've driven across it you know, east to west, or west to east, or in the, you drive it, driven it north to south, there's kind of these <clears throat> these regions, obviously. You've got a, kind of got Alexandria up to, like, Shreveport, across to, like, uh, Monroe. You know, there's not much, you know, really east of Monroe. And then you kind of got Alexandria south. And there's tons of stuff, obviously, New Orleans and, and Baton Rouge. And you catch, come over and catch Lake Charles and, and so on. So... Um, they've got these little, these regions, obviously, where I think that they do a great job dividing up the state. I think that they have great pipelines into the state. I think, obviously, with Nikki having been at LSU before, being from the state of Louisiana, Coach Applewhite, you know, recruiting TCU, his kind of, his kind of, uh, area extends from, like, Texas over to, like, Tennessee through Louisiana and Mississippi, um, some really nice areas to, to kind of have in your back pocket to be able to go down there and, and get some athletes. So I, I, I thought that it, I thought it was really, I think it's really cool that they keep going back to it because I think that, that the state is full of talent. Um, Barnes is a, actually a Tulane commitment. Uh, if you've watched Tulane play, it's a pretty good football team. You know, they're pretty sound. They got to be pretty sound in their evaluations, obviously to kind of put the dudes out there. They got on the football field and Barnes is no exception. I mean, Nebraska offered him after like a 400-yard rushing night or nearly 400-yard rushing night, and he scored six touchdowns. Um, you know, he's a 5'9", kind of shorter, you know, but 225, so put together running back. And you don't want to get in front of that guy when he scores his shoulders. There's plenty of film out there on his Twitter feed of him just leveling dudes. Uh, and he has the capability to run away from some guys. He doesn't have that true elite speed, but he's not slow. He's definitely not slow, and and it certainly seems like there's a lot to work with there with 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 Barnes. So he has he has really risen to the top of the running back board for Nebraska. Hey Brian, I just had one quick follow up question with with Mickey and Brian Applewhite being primarily Southern recruiters or being down there for a lot of their career. Do you think that's kind of helped their relationship with some of the athletes that they've got in the region just with that crossover? Oh yeah, absolutely, a hundred percent, and. I think it's one of the one of the biggest reasons why you look at both those guys as you know if if there is a different head coach hired first of all going to start there if Mickey Joseph is not the head coach you know that that Trev Alberts decides to go ahead and make the permanent hire with and he, and he decides to go with somebody else because they are such fantastic recruiters to the areas of the country that that we have just been covering it makes them prime candidates to be retained they are they are fantastic recruiters I I would argue. 
that, you know, there hasn't been anybody that's done a better job, you know, of the new staff members than Brian Applewhite. Um, look at what he's done in such a short amount of time with Anthony Grant and then A.J. Allen prior to the injury. You had pretty much a full stable of running backs sitting there in that room, and all of a sudden two new guys show up between January and June, and they're all of a sudden one and two. It's pretty phenomenal if you really think about how quickly that room got split, but then, you know, nothing to be said, obviously, about what's going on with, with Trey and 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 Washington and the other wide receivers that have made their way to Nebraska as well that, that, that Coach Joseph has been part of. So those two guys have really kind of flipped the room, and they have shown, you know, some real dudes. You know, they brought some real dudes back to Lincoln. Brian, you were on Connor Happer's show yesterday and kind of talking about how many wide receivers are coming in this weekend for the recruiting weekend, and you think a couple of new ones are going to walk out with offers. Uh, can you go over who some of those guys are? are? Are they all 23 recruits after we you know, kind of felt like that room was full for that class, or how many of them are in the 24? Yeah, no, there's, it's really 23 guys. So, um, you know, first of all, let's start where, where, with where Nebraska's at. Jaden Doss decides to announce on Twitter that he picks up an offer from Indiana. Not seen him do that. Not seen him do that before. Going all the way back to where Scott Frost had been fired or going all the way back to when he committed. Have not seen or had not seen him express interest in another school or even, even just kind of admit that there is anything there. He's really not said anything about it. And, and then, you, then you get Malachi Coleman. Malachi Coleman has been here and he missed a USC visit, shows up in Lincoln. He's now on a trip to Miami out of the blue that wasn't part of his top seven, and he reveals that Ole Miss kind of stopped talking to him. Well, I have a feeling that USC did as well, and I think it's mainly because, you know, I, I have a theory that, that he's basically been, I'll call it, a silent commitment. I hate the term. I don't believe in him. Um, I, I, don't, I think that when you – when you say something in private and you don't act out in public, it, it's it, it's it's not really the, the way that you're supposed to kind of behave about that stuff. So it, it would make me very uneasy if that's what was kind of the situation that Nebraska was in. So you and then you've got so you got Malachi down in, in, in Miami and he's looking at a commitment here in the next couple, two and a half, three weeks. Um so now you're looking at maybe having to, to do something. So Nebraska has Benny Ngoe coming in from Lake and High. So he has an offer uh, committed to Iowa State. You know, great-looking athlete. Kind of guy that I think, honestly, um, on, on another staff, probably gets taken by that staff, and Nebraska just kind of figures out where he fits, whether it's wide receiver or secondary or just kind of see where his body goes. He's, a, he's an amazing athlete, period. Let's just be honest. I mean, when you see guys like he and Coleman coming out of the state, let alone Lincoln, that is phenomenal. That, that has never happened, in my opinion, at, at, at a time in Nebraska football recruiting history. And I go, I go back all the way to 99 on that stuff. So I, I would say that. But then also Nebraska is bringing in a guy by the name of Demetrius Bell. Demetrius Bell is coming in from Nashville, McGavick. Um, he has got offers from Kentucky and Michigan State and Vanderbilt and Alabama and Georgia Six foot, 175 pound guy. Go out there and watch his film. We actually had um, some coverage from him from On Three last night. He re he retweeted it. It's on his Twitter. Has uh, an amazing uh, ability to make some big plays. They lost, uh, so he wasn't very talkative, but he did confirm that he was coming in uh, for a Nebraska visit. I got told that late last night from from the On Three people that were out there at the game. So uh, Demetrius Bell, Benny Ngoe, 
going to be very interesting to see what happens with Betty Nagoe and how, how Mickey Joseph maybe turns that offer that was out there that kind of seemed to be, you know, not necessarily a, a firm, committable offer. See what happens now and also see if Nebraska offers Demetrius Bell today. We uh, are joined by Brian Munson from On3. At the beginning of our show this morning, we were talking about some local high school football, and a player by the name of Zane Flores came up. And I'm not sure if you have any insight or thoughts about this, but we had a pretty lengthy discussion about his uh, fact the fact that he didn't even get an offer from Nebraska. Is that something that could change based on where the staff is now? Is there any reason to even bring that back up as far as the staff goes? Do Would you encourage them to talk to him? Is it something that did he want an offer? Did he... Um, did they miss the boat on that? Do you have any any thoughts on that? Um, did they miss the boat? <clears throat> Possibly. Let's let's run through a scenario, and and I'm not saying for sure that this is going to happen. I don't know. I have no idea. But let's 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 walk through a hypothetical. What are the what are the ties that Nebraska has back through to their 2023 quarterback commitment, William Watson? It's through Coach Whipple. There was. Basically, Watson wasn't even part of Nebraska's radar prior to Coach Whipple coming to Lincoln, right? And, and obviously, everybody at that point was thinking, you know, maybe there would be magically some sort of a, an amount of attention that all of a sudden would go, you know, Zane's way um, from Nebraska based on the fact that some things had changed, you know, with the offensive side of football, but it never did. It never did. In fact, you know, you saw some new guys show up, you know, on the, on the radar, J.J. Cole, you know, Watson, the, the, the kid from Kansas. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing his face right now. The kid is committed to Kansas State, but I can't think of his name. Um, but you never heard anything about Flores. I, I, I sit here and I wonder, you know, with where things are kind of at with the coaching hunt and, and what the things are that could, could potentially happen, you know, whether Coach Joseph is named the head coach or whether they go outside and they find another guy. I wonder what coach whipple is thinking about his future i wonder i wonder if if remaining at nebraska is truly going to be in the cards for him you know at the end of the season and if it's not let's just say hypothetically it's not what happens to to nebraska's quarterback recruiting you know in the class of 2023 um do you think that there's really going to be much of a an interest then by watson to continue to be committed to nebraska if coach whipple is not there because that's that was the tie that was that was the that was the tie between Nebraska and Watson, Coach Whipple. So, I, I don't really know. I, I think with Flores, and I'll even throw another guy in there too, because I think they're both they're both going to go down as, as probably some of the some of the bigger kind of misses. And I don't think there's anything Nebraska can do about it. But Cade McIntyre out of out of Fremont, I, I would put both those guys kind of in the same bucket. I'd love to circle back around to to them if I was the new head coach or or. Uh, somebody else on the staff to kind of gauge interest or, or kind of rekindle stuff. But even if you did, even if you, even if you tried to, I'm not sure that there's much of a desire from their end that they're going to Oklahoma and Oklahoma state respectively. Um, I mean, only if like coach Gummy decides to leave Stillwater and go to Lincoln hypothetically again, could that potentially be, you know, a total disruptive thing, you know, for Flores, but for, for McIntyre, Venables, Venables just getting there, you know, uh, I, I don't think anything's going to change there. I think that something would have to happen at Oklahoma State 
as well as continue to happen at Nebraska for Flores to do anything different than what he's got going right now. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see the career or the future of these young men. So, hey, Brian, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we greatly appreciate it. Uh, have a good weekend, my man. All right, guys. Be good. All right. Take care, Brian. Thanks, Brian. Thanks so much uh, again to Brian for joining us. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here. When we return, we are going to give you an upset pick for the day. It's Church of the Corn with Zach, Alex, and Fitz on 1620 The Zone. No, I do not. I, I do not. That's been carefully researched since I was a child, uh, starting at approximately, I'm going to say, three. And <clears throat> although it did have uh, some brighter points in my life, in particular when I was young, you know, the type of thing where it gets all over your hands and your face. Um, <clears throat> before long, though, I realized that that was a grave error and there was far better uh, paths ahead than candy corn. So, yeah, I no, I have no interest. I, it's one of those items that, you know, there's a reason they serve it basically once a year because it's not very good to begin with. Welcome to spooky season. Welcome back to the Church of the Corn here on 1620 The Zone. Brought to you by Doug's Basse State Farm Insurance and Summit Medical Staffing. Are oh you my crying? God. Yeah, I, I love Mike Leach so much in his press conferences. Uh, my favorite one was the marriage one from a few years ago or the mascots yeah. fighting. But uh, I also love his In-N-Out rant about when he was late to a Pac-12 meeting because he had to stop and get In-N-Out. <laughs> Some people want to listen to Dave Aranda for things like you know life advice. I want to listen to Mike Leach because he's not going to steer me wrong. I don't feel like. No, except for uh, I, I got to disagree. Candy corn is a great Halloween candy. It's absolutely not. It's disgusting. No, it's great. All ca- all candy corn was made in 1909. Yeah, they just and they recycle, just recycle it. it every year. That's a fact. They spent time in Nevada when we were testing nukes. They just dig it out of the trash and repackage it. Candy every year. corn and Twinkies—the only thing that could survive a nuclear blast. Twinkies are pretty good, though. You ever had a deep fried one? Delicious. Anyway, boys, we're gonna lead or finish up today with some upset picks, since it's spooky season. Boo. Between Spooky. that between that and your train sound earlier, I have no idea who you are anymore. He's like, tweet. Next thing you know, he's going to be. Choo-choo. Well, we no, don't have exactly. a producer that gives us train noises. The Macarena. Yeah. So can I start us off? No. All right. I'm yeah. going to anyway. Uh, upset pick for week five. I'm going to go with uh, UCLA uh, over Washington. Oh, that's weird how that works. Um. <laughs> nope. Do it again. Vince is no longer allowed to pick. <laughs> uh, what what do you, what do you got then? Uh, I I have the Kansas Jayhawks selling out again and upsetting Iowa State in the future Nebraska coaches poll, number eight of the day. So I I'm going with my boy Lance Leipold to upset Matt Campbell. Matt Campbell's going to drop two in a row. Interesting. They got some good run on on the TV earlier. It's I I I can get talked into Leipold real quick. I mean, even more than I already am. I like Here's, what he brings, but the problem is, and I was told uh, by a trusted source earlier, but it's not necessarily what you've done elsewhere that that matters. Here's here's my only question about Leipold: How much of his success this year is built strictly around Jalen Daniels? Because that. That kid is good. You mean having success because your quarterback's coached up and performing? Yeah, and he's running around playing backyard football. 
You mean able to transfer to Nebraska next year, Jalen Daniels, with Lance Leipold if he's the next coach? Yeah, I We've think it'll be fine. We've seen that before. The USC comes to mind. Uh, I'm going full. I'm going all in on this today, and I'm taking NC State over Clemson. I hope they lose just to make you wrong. I think they're going to get. Well, there's a 50-50 chance slapped. on that, Zach. Is it 50-50, Fitz? Yeah, somebody's got to win, gonna somebody's got to lose. Well, North Carolina State's got to lose. I'm going to give you a couple. I already gave one earlier. I, for some reason, don't know why. I'll go, I'm going to go with Iowa over Michigan. Wrong. I, I don't feel good about that one. Uh, I'm going to also go with numerically. I don't know actually know if they're an uh, underdog or not. But I'm going to go with Ole Miss over Kentucky, as well as Baylor over Okie State. I'm going to go with a whole bunch of chaos all over the place today. So those those are my picks. How about Georgia Tech surprising Pittsburgh? I could see that. That that would be something, because considering they just fired uh, their head coach this week. And yeah. athletic director. Hey, good things happen when you fire coaches. That's, Proves that's, it today against Indiana. Yep. We will see you guys next week. I'll be down in Lincoln, so if you see me, say hello. Thanks, for everybody, for Church of the Corn on 1620 like The, the Zone.